Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energy Oils. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. We have TV superstar, YouTuber, and all-round funny man, Owen Colgan. Owen, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on the show, lads. Much appreciated. Uh, absolutely no problem. Owen, being from Ireland, right, do you ever get any grief on how you spell your name? Um, I do. I do, actually. Most people who write down my name when I go somewhere, they spell it E-O-I-N, and I have to correct them and say, it's actually O-W-E-N, and then I kind of apologize after by saying sorry. Yeah. I don't know why my parents... I don't even know why my parents spelled it that way because there's two versions they could have went for and then they went for the Welsh spelling, I think. <laughs> they, they weren't big uh, Michael Owen fans, were they? No, not at the time. I think I'm older <laughs> than him anyway. So. No, my grandfather was called Owen, so they said, you know what? We give him exactly the same name. Ah, creative people, your parents. Very creative, yeah. But you know what, do you know what really annoys me? I was reading the other day. Do you know what Gary Neville's father was called? Neville. Neville. Neville Neville. What the fuck was going on there? They must have liked that song, Revel, Revel. Like. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they were listening to, the, <laughs> yeah. listening to that when the baby popped. Yeah, but uh, for people that don't know, we actually tried to arrange this last week, and it was uh, absolute hurricanes out in Mayo. Uh, what's, the, what's the story out there now for yourself? I think the hurricane has gone down to uh, about a three or a four, but uh, I'm living out here in Belmullet, so it's, it's, it's like right on the coast, and it's always windy. Yeah. But, but, uh, uh, yeah, poor head, yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, like, that's kind of the beauty of this side of, of the country. It's always windy, but it, it, uh, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it's lovely out there. We, uh, I actually I mentioned to a few of the lads that you were coming on the show, right? And, like, I've mentioned other people we've had, other guests we've had on the show, and they didn't give a shite. And then I said you were coming on, they were like, no fucking way, lads. <laughs> Jeez, that's very <laughs> nice to hear that. Yeah, because, uh, it's always nice to hear that, you know, because, <laughs> well, I don't know about that now, but... Uh, Especially living out here in Belmont, I only moved down here as soon as the um, as soon as the coronavirus kicked off. I was mo I moved down here with the missus. So when you're this far away from Dublin, you kind of feel like you're missing out and stuff. And you think you think that everyone in Dublin is being creative and doing all this other stuff. And then you're just down here, you know, growing late. Yeah. So like, obviously you're living out in Mayo at the moment. Like, did, do you find do you find it easier being like away from the Hustle and bustle of Dublin to be like very creative. Um, I find myself being a lot more creative here because when I was in Dublin, I thought I was going to be more creative, but then I'd go down to the shops to pick up some food and, and then I'd uh, end up meeting someone, or else I'd go into a secondhand shop and buy some shite I don't need, or else I'd go down and I'd hang out in the, in the shopping centers and just, just go around looking at the shops and stuff like that. So I think back in Mayo, I definitely am more creative because I've got more space for myself and I can hang out with nature a bit more. So yeah. I feel more creative, but at the same time, at the same time in Dublin, like you're kind of watching people being very creative and that kind of inspires you to do more stuff. And uh, whereabouts in Dublin are you living? No, I was, I was living in Fisborough. Oh, lovely spot, lovely spot. Lovely spot, yeah, yeah. And I was living... Big um, uh, it's lovely. It's very nice. Yeah, I was living. Yeah, uh, keep on the it? north side as well with the real dopes. Oh, that's where the real dopes hang out. My my yeah. man, my man. But <laughs> uh, I was living in Harold's Cross before that, though. But Finsbury is a good spot, and um, uh, I was there for about four or five years, so that was plenty for me. And yeah. now, do you get recognised in Dublin more from the Hardy books, or do you get more recognised from like doing your YouTube videos um, and your Paddy Power sort of skits? It's kind of a mixture, really, of the two, to be honest, because I'd say up till about three years ago, it was all Hardy Book stuff. And then all of a shot, then people were like, they'd know my name. 
and uh, they'd be calling me by my name, you know, maybe get a picture or whatever like that. So it was, it was that kind of stuff. And then with the Paddy Power stuff, mainly people will bring up the Shane Lowry video or they might mention the rugby one, but that's, that's kind of it with the Paddy Power stuff. There's a bits, bits and bobs with the Paddy Power stuff, but it's more so, I'd say probably still the most the Hardy books. Yeah, what's it, what's it like when you go on a night out in Dublin? Because like you know, everyone gets very rowdy, and then all of a sudden the Hardy books walk in, in, and it's just I say it's chaos, isn't it? Especially if you went to Coppers, I say you never go there. Well, I used to go to Coppers, but I haven't been there in a long time. But I probably would normally go to Fibbers, and then when you go in there, because Fibbers is a great spot, anyways. So um, and Hardy books are kind of synonymous with drinking. So if lads were in there, they'd be like oh, how's the Hardy Books going? And then they might drop you down a pint, so then you'd get them a pint back. And then before you know it, then three days later, and uh, you're in the basement of Fibbers drinking pints with some randomers. Yeah. Would you ever get nervous before a night out going out, knowing like, you're like, right, if I'm going into town, there's going to be loads of people there. Like, it takes one person to set off a group of lads, and then all of a sudden, they're like surround you almost, ask for pictures and stuff. I, I, I wouldn't get nervous about it, but at the same time, I'd rarely go into a pub sober, and that's probably my own problem, but I'd rarely go into a pub sober because I'd be thinking, you know, like when you go into a pub, it's kind of like the Royal Rumble. You need to have some, something in the back pocket. So I'd have, I'd have a pint or two back at the house first, and then, then when you land in, you kind of, uh, you'd be on the front foot. Yeah, because obviously, it is, it, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, go on ahead. No, 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 fire away. Yeah, because obviously you're like, you're like this mad outgoing guy on the internet. Like even like, I, I just shared the latest video when, uh, when you pull up in a car and then you were talking, you kept asking oh, yeah, yeah. yourself and then like, first of all, that's fucking brilliant. We'll get into that stuff. But like, uh, like, like you yourself, are you like, are you, are you mad outgoing in, in real life or like, are you like, would you be actually quite reserved? I'd say I, I know it sounds like a generic enough answer, but I'd be a good mixture of the both. Some days when I lived in Dublin, some days like you'd actually enjoy the crack. You'd be walking around town. You'd be like, I might go in here now for a few pints. It's not all about pints, obviously, but like, you know, you might be like a bit of a man around town. You'd be out like kind of, you know, just chatting to randomers on the street. You'd have great crack. And then other days then you're kind of like, I don't know, do I have anything like interesting to say today? Do you know that kind of way where you yeah. feel like, Jesus, like, like what? I, sometimes you feel like you don't have any good stories or maybe you feel like you've got to give people a story or you need to live up to something. So sometimes yeah. you'd be like, Ara, I'll just stay in the house. Yeah, because like a lot of people probably expect something like they'd expect you're ready to go, ready to rock, you know? Some, some people would, I suppose, yeah. But, and also some of that, those also in my own head, where I think people expect it, even though they probably don't. So then maybe I'd play up to it. And then after I'd be like, was I too lively there? Or was I not lively enough? Or, you know, that kind of way. So it's like, yeah. sometimes it's hard to judge. But that's sometimes when you're too much in your own head, I suppose. Yeah. What about uh, when you go away on holidays? Um, would, you, would many people notice you? Oh, yeah. Cy I was in Cyprus there recently, and uh, loads of Hardy Bucks fans over there. Jesus, it's gone international. Oh, international. Ayanapa. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, to be honest, um, no, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever got recognized abroad. I think I got recognized once in an airport in America, but it was by an Irish lad and he looked like an Irish lad because he was, he was, number one, he was wearing a Monster jersey. And number two, he goes, are you the lad from the Hardy Books? And I was like, I am, yeah. And then we were having the crack for ages, but he was trying to get me to drink in the airport hotel, but I had to, Go on somewhere else. So, that's I could see. I, I could. I could actually see you all uh, doing a skit as like uh, an Iron Apple rep uh, as a Mayo lad trying to get people into the nightclub. Oh Christ, above! These uh, shows, <laughs> all shows on TG or not TG for Channel Four and ITV and them and them programs where they'd be like uh, reps. I beat the reps and be on the yeah. piss over there. And myself, 
yeah yeah so Owen like obviously we've been talking about the Hardy books like how, how did the Hardy books come about the Viper and a load of his friends and Eddie Durkin they were doing a course there in uh, Ballyfermot School of Media I think it was called okay. and then they had to do a, a weekend project and at the time myself the booze uh, French toast and a few other lads were living in um, Galway we're just like on the piss and stuff like that all these stories seem to be leading to us on the piss but anyways the viper came down for the weekend with uh, like a cameraman and a sound man and they had to shoot the weekend project for their for their college course so they came down the shadow weekend project with myself and eddie dirk and, and then salmon came into it and then the boo came into it and then slowly but surely we, they started adding characters to it and then a fellow from what said oh, we, we were all childhood friends I was, I'm friends with the Boo since I was about 13, friends with French Toast since about 13, uh, friends with Salmon since I was about three. And then I met Eddie Durkin when I was about, the first time I met Eddie Durkin, we were playing rugby up at school and he had this long red hair and I was like, who's this fucking wild bastard? Yeah. They didn't really start hanging out with him till the Galway days and that was about when I was 21 and he was, he was about 22. Yeah. And then that's where the friendship really kicked off. And then uh, we just used to do crazy stuff, well not crazy stuff, but like we'd, we were so broke back in the day, like we'd be living in Galway together in, um, out by Ballyban, that we just, we'd walk into Soup Value and we'd just, we'd just go in there and we'd just squeeze the food and we'd be like looking at it going, would you buy that? And then like we'd go up to the counter with squeezed <laughs> shit like that. And then, you know, we got a couple ideas through that kind of stuff. And um, through the jigs and the reels then, we went down to Mayo, shot an episode. It went on to Orty Storyland competition and uh, basically they give you eight grand per, per uh, episode. So we were all getting paid about four or 500 quid for a weekend of filming. So we, we thought to ourselves, we're getting paid to finally talk shite. Yeah. And like, before this all happened, we all sort of have a bit of crack together and you were like, oh, maybe this could be a great idea for a TV show. Because obviously this is a long time ago before people sort of like made vlogs or this, that, mm -hmm. and the other, you know? To be honest, it was only really Eddie Durkin and the Viper that were thinking like that. They were, because the Viper, he liked the media stuff and Eddie Durkin liked movies and he liked, you know, he, he always wanted, he always liked the idea of being on TV or being an actor or whatever like that, you know. So the rest of us, we were just in it for the crack and we just thought, fuck it, we'll have a laugh. Yeah. So they were um, almost, they were almost like so, the Jeff Tremaine and the Johnny Knoxville of the group. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. Definitely. They, they definitely. I don't know, would we ever have got into media stuff like that? if it hadn't been for, for Eddie Durkin and the Viper. So, you know, you got to give them credit for that one. But um, then the show itself was just an improvised show though. So like we had the Viper who edited all the show, but then we'd have a bit of an outline of each scene and then we'd go in and we just, because we're hanging out so much of the time, we had a bit of a synergy and we like, we synced quite well together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but like, I remember I first saw it coming out on YouTube. And uh, I was like, "What is this?" But also, like, I got it straight away. It was—it's almost. A, <clears throat> excuse me. It was almost a bit like the way Darren Conway does his company as well. It's real, like, mm -hmm. what, like once you get it, you get it. Um, I remember you mm -hmm. putting out the episodes, and then like, what, what, like, what did you sort of expect that was going to happen after you put out these episodes on YouTube? Honestly, nothing at all. We expected nothing because we just thought we put these out on YouTube. There was no, there was no mindset of thinking, oh, other people are going to see this. Like even the word viral, it was never really mentioned in those days. I don't yeah. think anyone was really thinking about it. So we, as I said, we got paid 
few hundred quid to film an episode for the weekend. So we thought this is because we're all like kind of in between jobs at the time. So we thought this is a handy way to make a few quid. So we weren't really expecting anything to come of it. But and I think that's probably where a lot of the gold came from, that there was no external body else. We were just trying to make it funny for ourselves. And then, and then like how many episodes came out and then all of a sudden you were like, wow, this is getting like some serious traction. I'd say, I'd say probably, probably when the Mitzi Turbo episode went out and then, okay. then we were in Gaul. People were like, oh, you fucking editors. And we thought to ourselves, that's a bit weird the way that they've seen it. And then, then I, um, I think we went down to Cork and a few people had seen it down in Cork as well. And then it just slowly started building from there. And then we started doing gigs. And then when we went to the gigs and some of the gigs were like wedged, we did a few gigs there in Limerick and uh, Dublin and different places. And the gigs were absolutely wedged. So we thought well, we could be onto something here, you know? Yeah. How many gigs, like how many people would be at the gigs and would like be the whole cast on stage? It would be, yeah. We did a gig before in Kestabar, actually. It was one of, one of the first gigs we ever did. It was in, uh, it was in a place in Kestabar and the five of us were on Got up on stage at the same time together and we all did our jokes at the same time so we were kind of like talking over each other and we'd be kind of looking at each other all confused going is it my turn to talk is it your turn to talk and then we deliver our stand-up but like then we sort of uh and what, what was that buzz like sort of what was that buzz like, out a bit of it. The, like excuse the poem what was that buzz like when you're on stage and you actually get to see the reaction um we couldn't really enjoy it because we were so nervous at the time. We we're like, fucking hell, this is crazy. Like that people would come to see us. Like, cause we, we, we knew that the videos with the videos, you can do 20 takes of the same scene. Yeah. So you get to sort of, you get to like think about it and then reshoot it and whatever like that. And then edit it into a nice way. But then with the stand up, it's kind of like, it's right in your face cause people are there in front of you. So, um, it's definitely a different buzz, but once we kind of got used to doing the stand up, then we kind of, you know, we worked it a bit better that myself and Eddie Durkin might come on together. It was a bit like the Royal Rumble. Then Salmon would come out of nowhere. And then French Toast would come out of nowhere. And then the Boo would come out of nowhere. And yeah. then the Viper at the end. <laughs> so uh, that was great fun. Great experiences. Yeah. And then, then like, obviously, you, you, you last went and won the competition as well. Yeah. Uh, that RTE competition. Like, um, who were you up against? And then when you actually found out you won it, like, what was that feeling? Like, say it was unreal. Well, we, there was, I think there was about seven or eight rounds. And I remember like we might have won, I think, five of the rounds in a row. And we're like, Jesus, this is handy. So I think we might have <laughs> took the foot off the gas for one of the, one of the uh, sort of uh, stages. And then we came second. So we're like, fuck, we need to up our game again. And I think there was different people like, the likes of Joe Rooney had something in, uh, some kind of show in on there. Um, there was a show called Shea Spuds from, I think Cork was in there as well. But um, and then we came down to the final, final two, and luckily enough, we won it, and we were delighted. We and who was in the final? Go to go away. I don't remember, to be honest. Do not remember. And no one else does either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. It could have been Shea Spuds, but I'm not quite sure. I think, I think it was them boys from Cork that came in second. Go on, Mike. Yeah, when you, when you found out you won it, like, how did you find out? And like, were you all together? And I say it was some session, was it? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it again, but I think we actually went to Galway on the session. And we're like, wait, we won Storland. And then we didn't really know what was happening next. But then I think there was like a few weeks later, RT were like, oh, we want to make a TV series with you guys. So we thought that that was great because the pinnacle 
of success in Ireland is like, well, acting, I suppose, at the time was an RTE. And yeah. my parents wouldn't believe it was a real job until maybe I got onto TV. Yeah, they're probably like, what are you doing, doing that thing on YouTube? And then it's like, ah, well, ma, it's going to be an RTE now. It's like, and then she's probably going around uh, what's called every bleeding pub of Mayo, but I'm like, my son's going to be on RTE. Oh, He's yeah. No, 100%. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> my mother would go to mass and she'd be like, oh, well, Owen's, yeah, the boys are going to be on TV and Owen's going to be on TV and, and all this other stuff. But uh, up to that point, they probably didn't believe it was a real job. But then when it got on to RTE, there was uh, the local radio station were getting out because they were like, them boys are doing an awful lot of cursing in the, in the, in the Hardy books and they're talking about hash and this kind of stuff, you know. So it kind of, they thought that we were making the town out to be a bit rough, but we weren't really like, it was just a, a mirror to certain things that happen in towns. Yeah, the, probably just reading uh, like whatever the, uh, the, the, like the main thing, topic was in the news. Yeah, the, the, the headline, the exactly. The headline, sorry, excuse me, yeah. But uh, I actually listened to your podcast with Potter Rooney, and it was actually brilliant. So shout out to him as well. And you oh, said that so like, you said that RT took out, like basically shot the whole YouTube series on for for TV, and you said mm-hmm. like because they took over creative control, it wasn't as good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can you can you sort of explain it? Because I, like I don't I don't mean to sound bad, but like before I I'd heard you say that on that on, on Potter Rudy's podcast, I thought that as well. I was like, it's not the same as it was on the internet when RT yeah. took over. Yeah. The thing about the internet stuff is that it was a hundred percent improvised. Yeah. But when you, the thing about improvised stuff is that generally the person who has to edit all the improvised shite talk has a lot more work to do because there's a lot more footage to go through. You're like, oh, they're improvising here about sandwiches and they're improvising here about spiders and they're improvising here. And if you have the patience as the Viper did to put it all together, you can turn into a very funny uh, random story. Yeah. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Oh no, it worked. It worked definitely. And I think the talking heads and, and the inserts were very good to sort of patch the story together. And the randomness was good as well because, you know, life is fairly random. But uh, then when it went on to RT, they were like, well, we need, you know, we're not just going to give you money to talk shite. We need to have scripts and see what you're up to. And then there was talk about story arcs and character arcs and all this stuff and development of the characters and all the other stuff. So in that way, it was a bit, it kind of felt a bit sort of stilted because it was kind of like, why are you making us... Like, yeah, it's you know, not EastEnders, you know what I mean? It's the Hardy books. Yeah, exactly. I think it worked best from its improvised sort of roots, you know. But when you're shooting something for television, you have to, the cameraman is on the clock, the sound man is on the clock, the prep, uh, the props people and everyone else is on the clock, you know. So and, and actors that come in, they're all on the clock. So they're getting paid per day or whatever like that. So if we were going to improvise the show, RT would have been like, well, we're going to have to pay them more because it's going to take longer. But yeah. in reality, they could have probably done half the budget, but been left to our own devices, you know? Yeah. But then, like, as the series went on, you could tell you, you lads had more, way more creative input. Is that, would you, is that correct? Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because when we went on to TV first, the amount of people that we met on the streets and they were like, oh, we love the YouTube stuff, but the TV stuff is a bit, you know, it's not great. And, like, every time we heard that, we're like, fuck... We kind I, of I didn't, I didn't mean deep I didn't, in our I didn't mean that, that they were right. I didn't mean, I didn't, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that in like a bad way. But it's only because I, I, I saw you, you previously stated that. I was like, I, I was just letting you know. Oh, no, not at all. No, not at all. I didn't think the TV stuff was shite, but like definitely wasn't as good as YouTube. It was a bit shite. But I don't mean it's shite. 
it just wasn't okay. it, it didn't seem like it was like uh like all the, the youtube stuff is just seemed like you were like having a proper back and forth whereas on the yeah. shooting it seemed sort of like here's Staged. a line yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think i think the youtube is a bit more raw and a bit it, it's yeah. almost more fit into the characters and like the tv stuff's almost too polished yeah, yeah. That i think you're sense. right no it does it does make sense but the, the thing that we were told was that if you're going to make 25 minutes of television you have to have story arcs and you have to have plots and you have to have different uh, things that follow like throughout an episode. I think the Hardy Books videos on, on YouTube were like maybe 10 or 12 or 15 minutes. So they reckon, the overlords reckon that with television, you need to have plots and story arcs and all the other stuff that goes with it. So yeah. Looking, um, back, now, looking back now, would you agree with that? Or, or what, what, what are your overall thoughts on that now? Um, I think that... It's a good, very good question, actually. Yeah, but I think that um, see, I, don't, I mean, we're improvised actors, and there's like, there's obviously like staged actors who are better at, with lines and stuff like that. So, I think we probably could have met, we probably could have met in the middle a bit mm. more. And I think that probably, yeah, there's probably there is probably a lot of truth to when it comes to television, you have to have story arcs to follow, mm. so people don't lose interest. But I think we probably could have kept it more in the vein of the YouTube stuff. That makes sense. You know? I sort of use a sports analogy all the time and I go, you have to do what took you to the dance. Yeah. So I know, I know you watch like game main stuff like that. Like if you're an all-American collegiate wrestler, when you mm. get, when that door shuts, you know what I mean? You have to go in there and use your wrestling because you're better at that. You know what I mean? So I, I just think like the YouTube was an absolute sensation and it has like such a cult following yeah. that, mm. you know, RTE should have went, you know what? We'll let these lads have a bit more creative control from the start because I feel like Ortiz's biggest problem is that they're actually like so much stuck back in the Stone Age uh, with some of their stuff and like they keep on like putting out the same stuff. When like mm-hmm. I think slowly but surely they're actually getting better now and like they're giving people more shows. Like I think uh, I saw James Cavanaugh on TV the other day and I was like they're finally actually letting people with some sort of a following get to do their own thing. If that makes sense. And I feel like yeah. with the Hardy books, no. they need to be given that. Yeah, yeah maybe, they do, was, definitely, yeah. Yeah, maybe I think it was because um, they had these people, like, they, they, they'd be, like, qualified and they, they're looking at yourselves being, like, these lads just won a competition. They're, they need our help. Well, that's comment on. I think there was definitely a bit of that where they're, like, there's, only, there's these, like, uh, bumpkins from Mayo who are just coming up now to make, like, a show. Let us show them the way. That kind of thing, you know. But yeah. I think, again, like, if, if they had sort of, like, seen how it was done, we had the audience sort of built into the show already and then just said, well, we're going to give you a small few steps, but we're also going to take a risk ourselves and let you kind of do it more so the way you're doing it, you know, because just they had their own system of doing things in there, like every TV station probably does, you know. So they yeah. probably should have taken a slight more of a risk, I think, at the time. But, yeah, well, um, yeah, well, yeah, but also it was it was like a, a new adventure for everyone, really. So in yeah. hindsight, it's like, you know, maybe maybe letting them have a bit more control allowed you to go on and make more more shows and more seasons. I mean, the thing at the end of the end of the day is that we got we got to go onto TV, which was kind of like at the time it was like, wow, you're on TV. That's yeah. a big thing to do. You know, people people would like almost look at you and say that lad's successful. And you know, every, yeah. everyone wants to be seen as successful in their career. So when we were on TV, it was, it was almost like someone had said, yeah, you know what lads, you're not, you're actually fairly funny. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's the great thing. So that like certified is really, 
Um, like, yeah. was it, when you signed that contract, was that just a one one season gig, or was there an option of like a second and third season, or or what, did you finish the first season was, and then they no, got you back in? It was like, yeah, the thing about well, maybe, maybe it was just our experience, but the thing about television is always like, we'll see how you get on, and if it's good, we'll take more of you, and if it's not that good, we'll get somebody else in. So we uh, at <laughs> the beginning we got like four episodes. It kind of keeps you on your toes all of the time, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, we got four episodes. The beginning of the Hardy books, we got four episodes. And normally, I think, you know, normally, like, you get six episodes. So we were already kind of thinking yeah. maybe they, they're just testing the water with us and they don't trust us too much, you know. So I think this first season, people, I think people, because of the YouTube days, it carried us through it. And people were like, uh, you know what, they're trying, they're trying to become TV actors there. So then they gave us a second chance. And then we thankfully got to make the second season. And, th- and as you said there, I think we kind of slowly found our feet the further along we went. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like going back. Yeah. Just, uh, just uh, after you, after you finished the first season, like how long were they sitting on that before they actually released it? Oh, uh, well, no, they were, they weren't sitting on it too long. I think it took, it took about three months before like the, the end of filming season one. And then when it went onto television, but then there was like, we actually watched the first episode of the show in town in a pub which was a stupid idea because it <laughs> changed hear. quite a lot. The first episode was, was quite different and people in the pub were going, what's this fucking shite? And we were the actors in the show watching it with them. Like, so it was the weirdest thing ever. And we kind of like, there was a bit of, so like just as soon as you've reached your dream, something else comes in, another curveball comes in where some lad in town is like, that's shite lads. So then it's always like, a con- it's not as <laughs> glorious or it's not as shit as you think it's going to be, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, we're proud of ourselves that we got. Oh man, 100%. Um, yeah, so with, with sort of as time went go, gone on, as you're saying, they were keeping their toes. To me, that sort of makes sense because I can see like someone, you know, who's like 50 year old man or woman sitting naughty and like they sort of have the final say. And you can see them like, mm-hmm. right, a couple of lads from Mayo and uh, they've brought their skit show from YouTube onto RT. We won't give them all the seasons to start off with, but I'm sure mm-hmm. like. The viewership numbers were brilliant. Did you get to see the viewership numbers more to each time? Um, they bring in on that part of it. To be, well, because Eddie Durkin and the Viper, they were like the creators of the Hardy books. Mm. Um, they, they were the ones that had the meetings with Orti and then they'd sort of come back to us and they'd, they'd say to us, well, Orti said this and Orti said that, you know. So they'd kind of give us, they'd like sort of give us the, the numbers, Eddie Durkin for that kind of thing, you know, but. I think the numbers were always fairly good, actually. Yeah, so well, there's, I imagine, there's, imagine nothing so. like there's nothing like it on TV for uh, the, the, like uh, lads. Obviously, girls enjoy it as well, but there was no real like the lads that love a few cans in the weekend and or like college students. There's yeah, for them to feed their appetite, really. Yeah, and I think as well as that, though, as well like something about the YouTube days that even though it was very raw, as you were saying, there was, there was something kind of nice about it too. Like there was no badness in the lads either. Like they weren't going to like kick the shit into someone, but they're all talk and they're all like about fighting and about like writing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think they were meant to be sort of, sort of sweet fellas that like yeah. they would look after you and there's no badness in them. Yeah. It was the quaintness of like just being in yeah. like, the, the, like it just not in the hustle bustle of Dublin, just being like, what are the lads that live out in the country? Like it was a, uh, I thought it was actually yeah. amazing once I, once I started really got into it. And then, and then, and then, and then next, next thing you know, you have a movie coming out. Uh, <laughs> the movie was like incredibly successful. I think uh, it was over, did over 500,000 euro in the Irish box office. 
um, which yeah. is is seems like an awful lot to me. I, I don't know what the average is, but like that seems well above the average. Uh, when you when we're making a film, were you like, is this the end of the Hardy books? Because like I think any TV series that ever like then then goes and does a film, they're like, oh, that's probably it then. Or what were your thoughts after you finished the film? Well, to be honest, we just thought, is someone actually paying us to go to Poland? That was the that was the initial thought. We never no, we never really thought that the final episode was happening. I, there was a bit in the last season when the Viper faked his own death. We were all thinking, geez, this might be the last bit. But then you see other shows that sort of come back, even when you think they're dead and buried. And so we kind of never really thought it was going to be finished. And it's, I still don't think it's finished. There probably will be, hopefully, a season down the line. But when it came to the movie, there was that movie was been talked about for like two years. To the point where, like, I was sick of telling people that we're going to be making a movie because yeah, was, was, you know, sorry, and we're all going around telling people. Hmm? Was that like it was all about going to Poland and sport in Ireland? But like, was that the plan, or you were just like, we want to make a movie? Because you said you've been. I think yeah, no, I think well, years, there, was, so. there were there was talk of going to Vegas. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Was it for McGregor? <laughs> the lads were just the lads were just looking something. for a holiday. The lads were just looking for a holiday. Like, right, just, how can we get the holiday for free? Looking, well, we make a movie out of us. Just looking for a piss up. Should that that scene that we went to Ibiza? That was only wrote into the, the Hardy books just so we could go to Ibiza. And we went, were over there and we filmed for about two hours. Ibiza. <laughs> so that was like something we just that Eddie Durkin wrote into the script just purely to get a holiday. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, carry on with the movie. Like, uh, yeah, all of a sudden you were going to Poland, like sporting your arm, like uh, making that a movie. Was like, that, that's a that's an unbelievable like thing to be going on you're like yes go and support Ireland go to Poland making a movie like how many more boxes do you need to take off you know what that's very true and I, I do I think we all kind of forget about it in the Hardy books that's a great thing to be able to say but uh, just leaving from Swinford at the time in a camper van with the boys the, the excitement I've never felt the excitement like it like did you boy that in Swinford Motors uh, no, I don't. I think he got it in Castlebar or somewhere like that. The camper van, the highest, the highest van was bought in Ballina. But um, we had the highest van. We had two camper vans, and we went sort of. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but we kind of went from Swinford to Dublin, and then we took the ferry across, and then we went down through England and went through like to France, and then we went to all the different countries along the way, and every step of those great crack. Was there, was there many years that actually went? Like including the, the people, that, the cameramen and everything? The cameramen, it was, it was like, we had two cameramen and we had a sound, one sound man and they were kind of all doubling up. The sound man was driving the van. <laughs> uh, the cameraman was, uh, he was driving one of the vans as well. So it was kind of like on the road, sort of guerrilla style shooting. But I'd say in total, there was maybe 15 of us, including the actors. Jesus, that would have been some crack. And the thing is, like, it was like a pilgrimage for the Irish people. We're meeting Irish people always along the way. We met yeah. Irish people, obviously, in Ireland and England. We met them. We met them in Germany. We met them in Amsterdam. And, and then Poland was just like Irish people everywhere. Brilliant crack. I, I almost think that actual campaign reignited, uh, you know, sport and culture in Ireland a bit. Like, just the fandom that went over there. It was, it was like, you know, reminiscent of, well, I wasn't, I was only born in 1990, but it like, seemed like it was Italian 1990 all over again, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, there was like, Irish fans had taken over Poznan, the place we were, like, the, everywhere you went, 
there was Irish fans every single corner and they were singing songs, they were drinking and they were having their breakfast and they were standing around smoking cigarettes. There were those Irish groups of lads talking to Polish women. There was Irish lads playing kick up with like a derby football. Uh, they were just, they were just everywhere. At first, there was like a new YouTube or sorry, a new, a new WhatsApp video going around every single day during the, the Euro. It's just been like Irish lads yeah. doing something new. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you were just always worried that one of them might pop up about you doing something crazy. <laughs> did, uh, did, you, did, you, did all you lads get tickets for all the games as well? Um, no, there was, there was two tickets. I don't know. I think it was against Italy. Were, were we playing Italy in one of the games? Yeah, Spain, yeah. Italy and Croatia. And then Spain yeah, I think we, and Italy got to the final. I think, yeah, yeah really I think, easy group. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we were playing Italy and we got, we're, they were hammering us anyways. But I got a ticket for the game, but... Before the game, in one of the scenes, we'd been drinking cans while watching the game. And myself and Salmon got into the game, but then we were like, we both got lost from each other. And then halfway through the game, myself and Salmon, like, we were kind of like, I was like, where's fucking Salmon gone? And Salmon apparently was looking for me at the same time. So then around 10 minutes to go before the end of the game, we both just left. And we met, I met Salmon outside the stadium, luckily enough, with thousands of people walking past. And then we just both headed back to the, uh, the grounds where we were kind of camping. So we got in to see one of the games. The atmosphere was brilliant, but uh, the game itself was shite. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't oh. Aaron's greatest campaign. Were you like this? Yeah. Salmon, Salmon, I'm the fella in the green jersey. You can't miss me. <laughs> <laughs> and he put, yeah, exactly, that exactly happened. And he turned around and he goes, there you are. And I'm standing right beside him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't have been amazing. Like, like if Ireland had kept progressing and getting, imagine, like, obviously, imagine we won it. But like that, that would have made the movie even more outrageous and the trip. Like the better Arnold did, the better everything, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. a shame I can't... Yeah, we, we actually blame the team for uh, not making us globally flame, famous. That's That would have been enormous. But like, after yeah. that trip, when you get home, like obviously you're hanging. But like, we're just like, can't believe and just after making a movie there. Like, we would have thought oh, this, whole, this whole journey would have started you know, off and ended with this. It started off, as I said, it started off in Swinford with the excitement of doing this new adventure, you know, like, and that was brilliant because I think it was for four weeks where we were gone. But then when we got back to Ireland, we had to do some reshoots, some scenes that had been missing. And one of the scenes in particular that we had to do was I had to have sex with a fleshlight on the bypass in Swinford, which was very depressing because the weather was shite. We had to just trick it that like doing it in, in um, Amsterdam or wherever it was. But I actually had to put my penis inside a fleshlight. Sorry if this is a family <laughs> show, but that's what happened. <laughs> no, it's fine. We have to put Don't the picture. We'll edit the picture in now. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. But uh, like, obviously, obviously, like the like the Hardy Books journey has been unreal. It's been great to see it, like as well, because like my mates, I absolutely love it. It's almost like our generation's. Father Ted. That's the only really way I could compare it to people that have watched this whole episode and don't know what the Hardy Books is. Don't know what what they're doing. But um, like, obviously now. Like people that like follow you and stuff, and they watch all your stuff on Facebook and YouTube. Um, like, do you boys, you're obviously in a group chat. Is there much talk about like, would you get it going, or does it need to be like something big? Like, say, if Ireland qualified for the next Euros, would it, would you have to come back with a real bang? I don't, I don't know. To be honest, like, we'd all love, we'd all number one, we'd love to for it to come back definitely. Um, a lot of talk, there's a lot of talk about different people like saying we'd love to see another series. Like I get a lot of messages on Instagram and places like that. So does Eddie Durkin and the boys for it to come back. And I, I, I'd say 
with the amount of shows that are online now and the amount of shows that they bring back, I'd say there's no, there's a good chance that it might get back onto either RT or Netflix at some point in the next two or three years, I'd say. Now that's, that's just me guessing, but I kind of get that feeling because when people seem to be talking about it, it seems to come around every six months where people are like, are you making any more Hardy books? And then RT still showed as well on, on telly. It was on RT there last night, every Sunday for the next few weeks. Do you get money every time they do that then? No. Oh, that's shite, isn't it? Oh, stop. I was expecting when I got on TV that there'd be constant, a constant wedge coming in the door. Yeah, like, like you know you know what's called Friends reruns. Friends exactly, reruns. Yeah. Like, give, give us that money, give us that money. Yeah, yeah but then, give yeah, us but that then, money. Yeah, but you still get your face out there and then people probably come and follow your stuff as well. That's and the like, thing, you see, yeah, that, there's, there's that indirectness of like, if someone watches the show last night, they might be like, oh, sure, I might give, give him a couple of days' work. Yeah. Also, like you're still smashing out the content as well these days. So, so you're doing a podcast, and also you're still with RTE. Do mm-hmm. like I saw you're doing your show on RTE Player, and like I watched the yeah. last three shows. Like, um, the, like once you once the Harry book sort of wrapped up. Like I know that there is possibilities of it coming back, but um, RTE like right here, we want to just keep you on board or. What sort of relationship did you did you have? Once no, no, no. Season? There's not nothing like that at all. It's sort of like you either sink. Which, do you know what actually happened for myself? Actually, I was in Dublin, living in Mountjoy Square, and I was in the park there across the road. And I remember Hardy Book season had just finished, and RT were kind of like, "Yeah, sure, this will probably be the last." They were kind of saying this will probably be the last one. So <clears throat> at that time, I was like, "Right, I need to kind of really get stuck stuck into this career, or else <clears throat> I've got nowhere to go." You know, so yeah. I started making my own st- stuff on, on uh, social media. Eddie Durkin was kind of mm-hmm. doing the same. The Viper was, was already doing it for a while. So um, it just kind of, you just have to keep yourself afloat with doing different jobs, whether it be from, you know, podcasts or Paddy Power or whatever it may be, you know, like YouTube sketches and stuff like that. So, um, no, like RT were great. They did give us a good, good few years work in fairness mm-hmm. to them. But then the day, like you have to sort of keep paddling your own canoe. And do RT own any of the rights to um, the Hardy Books or could like you go on Virgin Media with the next season or what's the story with that? Well, the thing is like Netflix, Netflix bought the last, or sorry, no, Netflix bought all the seasons off RTE. And that means like that they, because it's always a different contract. So they mm. bought it apparently for three years. So I think we're coming up now in the third year where it's been on Netflix. So at the end of that year, all the footage will then, you know, I think, as far as I know, Hardy Books property once again. But the stuff that we shot for RT is RT property, you know? Oh, very RT with the technicalities, you know? That's the stuff you read where you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck it, that'll do. And then you just sign it, you know? That's the, that's the trip yeah, but that's, the old that's contract. The thing, when you're, when you're, you're, when you're coming in fresh-faced, you're just like, oh, yeah, no problem. You can have everything. You're going to put me on the TV, sure. And the next thing you know, you know I mean, they're making a fortune off it. There you go. That's exactly, that's the, the naivety of the whole thing where you're just like, I'm getting paid to talk shite. Um, I'm just going to sign anything really. Like you would easily sign your life away, but I suppose through, through age, you kind of, you look at it and you're like, it's, it's a good lesson again. Like it's a good lesson yeah. for the future where you, you probably should look at the contracts and the small print and see what's on it. Yeah. Well, like yeah, that's, exactly. how, that's why a lot of people like social media people coming through now, they almost have the leverage that they're like, here, I don't need to have sign away my whole entire rights as well. So yeah, like you've got more power in a way. Yeah, like um, yes. yeah, like do, do, when you do the when you do podcasting, do you tend to just do it from your house or is yeah, it just run by yourself? Yeah, 
John, yeah. like, I would have thought, I would, like, I, I, I watched your RTE show and I was like, okay, that's cool. I, 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 th- like, I think almost like you'd be brilliant as like a radio presenter or if you did, like if RTE really pushed your podcast, something like that. Because like personality, it would like shine so much. And I think that would be like, they, they have like a big enough audience that they could really push you there, you know? You ever thought about it, something like that? Well, I mean, I would definitely. The thing what I'm doing with the podcast now is I'm trying to, use it as an outlet for like random thoughts or random stories that come into my mind and just talk about things that happen my week to week and whatever. So that's the thing I'm doing with that with RT though. Um, well, I was meant to shoot more episodes for that, um, around the fire show, yeah. but then because of the coronavirus that put an end to that. So hopefully now when this coronavirus pisses off back to where it came from, we can uh, get back to making a few more episodes, but, um, there's so many people as well vying for the same piece of the pie as well, like when it comes to making yeah. podcasts. So you have to do something that sort of stands out. So with my own podcast, I'm just trying to build it now and trying to get used to, uh, you know, trying to get used to, I suppose, presenting a podcast. And then maybe in a few months time, Orti might come along and say, we want you back, baby. <laughs> yeah, because that'd be brilliant having you like doing like long format with people coming in because like you understand the sort of social media way whereas like i don't really feel what you do like someone for like i, I was like i was talking we had darren conway on the show he's an absolute legend and he's blown up these days very like, funny fucker too yeah oh he's oh he's such a gent as well and i was like you would be brilliant mm-hmm. on that like around that fire thing but mm-hmm. because he's not on tv i don't know if RT would be like yeah we'll have him on but like if you did like a long version podcast and like had him on as well like it would just be that'd be fire you know literally yeah I would love to make some stuff with Darren Conway. I have in the past. I've made some stuff with himself yeah. and Jimmy J. Carr. So I think down the line, definitely would love to make some more stuff with uh, Darren Conway. But I just, I'd say with the likes of Darren, he keeps doing the stuff he's doing and it's inevitable that he'll be on TV making something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like when we were talking to him, it was like, he's so much possibilities and there's so much creativeness in him that it's uh, it's brilliant to see like another Irish person, like really, really pushing it and getting through the next barrier, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you can see that that, that happened with Darren. He pushed it through the next barrier. That's, that's because he's, he's constantly making videos and he's constantly uploading stuff. And that's dedication. Yeah, I, I think that's massively key. Like, if you are putting out content, consistency is such a key factor to it. You know what I mean? If you upload mm-hmm. one, like five times one week and then don't upload for two weeks, people are like, where is the content? You almost need to give people a reason to hang around. Yeah. You do, definitely. But at the same time, and this is the, the, the thing I find the hardest, is that, as you said, you have to keep uploading stuff because people want to see consistency or else someone else is going to come in and start uploading stuff. But mm. at the same time, it's hard to keep it at a high level because mm. like at what other period of our life or of human life where you've had to sort of have this pressure of having to upload or create something nearly every single day? It's a lot of pressure, you know, but it, it, it mm. is creating a lot of very good stuff like Darren Conway's stuff, for example, but it's a lot of pressure to create all the, you know? Yeah. Is there, is there anyone, like, obviously, like, you're doing unbelievably well. Is there anyone else um, that, around that's, like, that's putting out videos or content that you see and you're like, that person is probably going to, like, that person's going to do really well? Um, Don't mean to put you on the spot now, but, like... No, 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 not at all. Uh, let me think. Well, obviously, there's Darren Conway. There's Shane Clifford is very funny. I find I find I get a good laugh out of him. Um, who else? You mean people on the way up, is it, or people that are sort of already established? Yeah, yeah, yeah whichever. whichever. Just, just who are your favourites? Yeah, your favourites, yeah. I would say Dave McSavage. I get a good laugh out of him. I get a, good, a great laugh out of the Viper, his live streams. <laughs> yeah. They, 
they're probably the pinnacle. Um, I watch a bit of um, Lemmy. And then in my favorite of all, I would say, and I don't know if, if everyone likes this fella, but it's uh, Eric Andre, the, the Eric Andre show. He does stuff that's sort of so wild that sometimes you watch it and you're like, what the fuck happened there? But it's, uh, <laughs> I, really, I really get a good laugh out of that lad. I don't know if you've seen him, have you? No, um, I haven't seen him. What's his name there, Eric? Check him out, let me know what you think. He's, he's the Eric Andre show. Eric Andre. Like Peter Andre, except Eric. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But without the sexy body that Peter Andrew had. <laughs> Fair enough, all right. I'll never forget that now. Please yeah. don't. I'll be checking up on you. Yeah, uh, on, like, obviously, as you mentioned there, like, you had like three episodes out with RTE, and then like the, this COVID-19 situation happened. But like, is there anything else that, like, obviously you're making sketches and they're, doing, they're brilliant. Like, uh, the, you're, the way you come up with stuff is, is, is brilliant. But uh, is there anything exactly. else that you sort of have, like, coming up that you can talk about or anything else that like people should keep an eye out for you? Um, let me see. Do I have anything else coming up? Um, I'm making a cake this evening. Um, no, I'm just joking. Let me see. Well, I, I'm, I'm doing the podcast. I'm also going to be doing this thing that like MPI do my gigs and they're doing this thing where and I don't quite know exactly what it is, but it's like, you get, you get your car, you stay in your car and you drive into like a field, right? And in the field, you can tune in your radio to what's been said on the microphone. A stand-up gig, but everyone sits in their cars while the gig happens. So you can be in your car, you know, doing whatever it is you do in your car. And, ah, so uh, it's a bit like the drive through cinema, except for exactly. stand-up. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's so, yeah, it's just like a, a reimagining of the concept. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, Owen, before we wrap things up, I want to I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I know, like, you're a very busy man, just constantly creating stuff. But uh, is it is there anything in particular you want people to make sure they follow you on? You know what? Have a listen to the podcast. Give me some feedback on it. Would love to hear about that because that's something I definitely want to grow. Um, I'm also going to be probably getting into the live streams in the next couple of weeks. So do check that out on my YouTube page. Live stream uh, sex show, brilliant. Please keep following me at home. <laughs> hmm? I'll just say the live stream sex <laughs> show, brilliant. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the scenes of a porno, imagine. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going, yeah, and then what else are we going to do? Yeah, so they're, they're the two things that I'm going to be working on, the live streams and the podcast. And uh, and then the, the Instagram, you're going to keep updates on there as well. So if you can brilliant. check me out on those three. We'll give, we'll give you a shout out on them and uh, we'll make sure to tune in ourselves as well. And everyone else should tune in because not only are you a very funny lad, you're also a sound lad. And that's what really matters in life, isn't it? Everyone just wants to be sound. It is. It is. It is. Oh, that's, um, but that's all we're, we're trying to be. If you're not sound, then you're fucking nobody. Yeah. Coming into this sort of pandemic, it, like people who make content were probably really worried that they're going to be able to come up with stuff. But like, it's it's good that like sort of like you're just putting it out and then people are still enjoying it, you know. Because uh, it, it you yeah, never know. It's actually, like content's important to people, you know. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like it's it's a distraction from the from real life, I suppose. But yeah. and I thought I thought at the beginning of the, this pandemic that like it would be harder for like create creating stuff. But it seems that social media is, if anything, is is probably done better because of this because everyone's at home, so everyone is creating stuff. So now exactly. you have like a lot of choice, you know? Exactly. Uh, Owen, thanks a million again for coming on the show. Uh, we'll have to do no it again. Don't worry, Thanks for having me on. We have to We'd do it again. We'd love to. 
Yeah, so uh, everyone, uh, make sure to check out Owen's stuff. He's absolutely smashing it. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and as always, stay energized.